Praise the Lord. It's time to look to the Word of God, anoint our hearts to receive the Word. I feel the Lord saying, comfort, comfort my people. Speak comfortably to the new Jerusalem. Tell the people that the warfare is over, the warfare is accomplished, and that the care and the presence and the life of God rests upon his people. The Lord wants to show us this morning how much he cares for us, how much he loves us, and looks into every situation and detail of our lives. I want to turn to John chapter 2. I really only need the first four verses of this chapter, but we're going to look at the context, verses 1 to 11. In all the years of preaching, I don't think I've ever preached on this perspective. I know I haven't. John chapter 2, verses 1 to 11, the turning of the water into wine. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing 20 or 30 gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it. When the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine and did not know where it came from, but his servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. And his disciples believed in him. Verses 1 to 4. On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to them, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. A people that ran out of wine. Wine in scripture represents joy, gladness, feasting, merriment, celebration the joy of the Lord, the blessing of the Holy Spirit, a wedding without wine, a world without wine, a world without joy, a world without the pleasure of God, a world without gladness of heart. They have no wine. Are you pulling on God like Mary did? When you look at people, when you look at situations around you, you see struggle, you see failure, you see inadequacies. Are you calling out on God like Mary did? Jesus, they have no wine. This is one of the great prayers you can pray. And maybe you, maybe you don't have this included in your prayer 
repertoire, but after today you will. Sometimes I look at people as I go down the street, as I walk in stores, as I drive in my vehicle, I look at them, I say, Jesus, they have no wine. They have no wine. I mean, this wedding wasn't Mary's responsibility. It wasn't her wedding feast. It wasn't one of her children that was involved. Why bother? It's somebody else's responsibility. Let somebody else take care of the problem. Why take concern upon myself? When you see people in their need and in their struggle, does it evoke compassion in your heart? Does concern rise in your heart? Mary concerned about other people, concerned about what they were going through. And there stood her son with a call of God on her life. Jesus replied to her, said, woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Seems rather abrupt, doesn't it? With his mother. Didn't even call her mom. Woman, a little dismissive. He said, my hour hasn't come. It's not time for me to perform a miracle. I'm not expecting to do a miracle here. It's not my time. It's premature. It's too early. It's not time for me to manifest who I am. Mary said, I guess you're right, Jesus. It is rather trivial, isn't it? A wedding that ran out of wine. Big deal. Drink some water. Can't you have a good time with water? When the evening's over, go home, call it a night. Maybe the people in charge will be better administrators next time. There's nothing of spiritual consequence here. This is of no real importance. A wedding that ran out of wine. What did Mary know about her son, the 30-year-old Jesus, that he cared for people, that he cares for people? At age 12, I must be about my father's business. At age 30, she knew what kind of spirit and manner he carried. She'd been with him for 30 years. She knew the longing in his heart. She knew how he looked at people and how he longed for them to be blessed of God. She knew he cared for people. Here were a father and mother, so looking forward to this wedding day of their son, their daughter. My, they'd prepared, invited their guests. Everything was moving along so nicely in the evening, and all of a sudden, they ran out of wine. Why had they invited so many guests? They began to panic. They began to scramble. I mean, this is, a, this is an embarrassment. This would be a shame. We've run out of wine at the wedding. Maybe we shouldn't have invited so many people, but maybe their wedding budget was strained and they could only afford so much. They were hoping the guests didn't drink too much, but I guess the guests overindulged. I said, man, we've, we've looked over our wedding list. We went over it a number of times, and there was nobody that we could scratch off, that we could erase off the guest list. To do so would have been a hurt to our family and friends. Some would say, be better prepared next time. Be smarter. 
What did Mary know about her son? That he cared for people. That he cares about the little things in life, we would say. The non-spiritual things of life. The non-consequential, you could even say. He cares for people. He cares about their struggles. He sees what we're going through. He cares about our anxieties, our fears. I mean, this family, all of a sudden, were not at rest, concerned, upset over the events of the evening. The wine had run out. Jesus said, my hour has not yet come. It's not time for me to do a miracle. It's not time for me to get involved. But don't miss this, because this is the point of the message. The need and Mary's prayer pulled a miracle out of Jesus when he wasn't even preparing to do one. The need pulled a miracle out of the Son of God. This was his first miracle. The turning of water into wine. A wedding that ran out of wine. A family that inadvertently or somehow had not prepared enough, or some situation had taken place that was beyond their control, and Jesus said, I'm going to get involved. This was his first miracle, turning water into wine. Now, I don't think any of us would have expected this to be his first miracle. We would have expected something more spectacular, something more in line with his messiahship, who he was called to be. We would maybe expect him to walk on water for his first miracle. Wow, what a display. Maybe to speak to the wind and the waves and calm the sea. Or to open the eyes of the blind, but to turn water into wine at a wedding. That's how much he cares about the details of our life. That's how much he cares about family matters. He said, I want to have this family avoid embarrassment and gossip in town. I want them to be blessed of God. He came to them in that hour of need. We cast our care upon the Lord, how he cares for us, how he looks into the situations of our life. I mean, this miracle, he said, I'm, I'm not prepared to manifest myself yet, but for this situation, for this family, I will. I'll manifest myself. This will be the beginning of my miracles. He knew that the moment he crossed that line, he could never turn back. That miracle manifested the Son of God. And from that point on, he walked the road of the cross. And one day in the not-too-distant future, it would not be the blood of the grape but it would be his very lifeblood, the blood of the cross. And by it, he would restore joy and gladness and the care of God to every struggling and fearful soul. Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus, they have no wine. I listened closely to the message last Sunday. How oh, God is seeking to restore a childlike heart into us. A heart that trusts him fully. That isn't fretting and concerned about every little detail of life. 
how the Lord wants to come and minister to us and fill us again with the wonder of who he is. An uncomplicated spirit, an uncomplicated heart where we can delight in the Lord and imagine his love over us and walk with him with great joy and blessing and excitement. The care of our Lord over us. The care of our Lord. Casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. He looks for us in this hour to bless us, to strengthen us, to heal us, to nurture us. The Bible says his eye is on the sparrow and he watches over us. The Lord sees every living thing. He sees every predicament. He sees every circumstance of life. Casting all our care on him for he cares for us. My, he's calling us to put our trust in him. He's calling us to lean upon him. He's concerned about wine at a wedding. He's concerned about your family. He's concerned about your, what you're going through. Cast yourself on his loving care and receive his goodness. In Matthew 10, 29, the scripture says, Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? And not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will. In the Gospel of Luke, it says, Not one of them is forgotten by your father. Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's notice and will. Not one of them is forgotten, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Not counted, numbered. They all have a number on them. Do not fear, therefore, you are of more value than many sparrows. Put your trust in the Lord. Realize how much he cares. If he's concerned at, at wine at a wedding, such a seeming trivial thing. How much more does he care for us in all aspects of our life? He said, this is my beginning miracle. This is the miracle that I want my people to know, that I will care for them in the intricate details of their life, their eating and drinking, their food and their supply. I see everything. I'm with them. Jesus cares. He cares about people. And Mary knew it. Jesus, they have no wine. Jesus cares about every person on earth. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. His heart yearns. His heart longs over every person. He said to the people of his nation of his day, how often I would have gathered you as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you would not come. The Bible says he stood on the hillside and he was weeping as he said those words, he was weeping over the people. That is how great the care and concern and love of God is. In Luke 14, 21, a cry went out from the master of his house. The Lord crying out to his servants. He says, go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master, it is done as you commanded, and still there is room. Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Persuade them. Put some demand on them. Insist that they come in, that my house may be filled. The Lord cares about people. He cares about the poor. He cares about the maimed. He cares about the stumbling. He cares about the blind. He cares about the lost. I hope we understand, every one of us this morning, how sick we are without him.
It's the sick that need a physician, not the self-righteous. He came to heal us, to break the disease of sin upon our life, the struggle on our life, the flesh life, the world spirit that tries to attach itself and work its work on our life. He says, I've come to heal you. I hope we understand this morning how blind we are without him. How stumbling we are without him. How lost we are without him. He cares. He says, go out into the streets and lanes of the city. He says, I want to gather the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. I want to gather the lost to my presence. He cares about us. He said, I, I'm going out into the mountains at night to get the one lost lamb, the one sheep that has strayed. That's his heart. Ninety-nine are in the fold, but one has slipped out and gone out on the mountains. Most shepherds would say, pragmatically, 99 of 100, that's more than I could have expected. 99 out of 100 is sufficient for me, but it's not sufficient for the Son of God. His standard is 100%. He wants 100 out of 100, and he will do everything he can to go out into the mountains and bring that sheep, find that lost sheep. He'll cross the waters to get to one person. One day he said to his disciples, he said, come, we've got to cross the Galilee down in the south eastern part of the Sea of Galilee, there's a region called Gadara. He said, my father's calling me. He said, there's a man down there called Legion. Thousands. He's so full of devils and torment. His name is Legion. People have given up on him. He's a hopeless case. People have tried to bind him with shackles and chains, try and restrain him, keep him from the violence, keep him from the wildness in him, but they can't do it. People have given up. He's homeless. He wanders among the tombs. He's running wild under the power of the enemy. Jesus said, uh, we've got to go. We've got to go across the sea. We've got to get to Gadara. I'm going for one man, Jesus said. I'm going for one man. Say, well, Jesus, why bother? What's one, one man? One deranged man? Find a crowd to preach to. Get a better photo opportunity than that. Jesus said, we're going across to Gadara. And so they sailed across the Sea of Galilee. And when they got to the region of Gadara, this demon-possessed man came out of the tombs and he fell at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus broke the power of darkness. The devils fled and it wasn't long after, but that man was saved, seated at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind. And Jesus said, I want you to carry the gospel in this region. You go out and begin to tell all the things that God has done for you. Tell your friends, tell your relatives. And with that, Jesus and the disciples got back in the boat and sailed back to Capernaum, back to home. He came for one man, and that man was me. He came for one person, 
And that person is you. That's the love of God. That's the care of Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis, a young atheist, as he came to Christ, was confronted with the gospel. Last century, said, for the first time, I examined myself with a seriously practical purpose. And there I found what appalled me, a zoo of lusts, a bedlam of ambitions, a nursery of fears, a harem of fondled hatreds. My name was Legion. My name was Legion. The Lord came for one person. He comes for one man. He'll cross the water for you. I don't know about you, but I've said to the Lord many times, Lord, why did you come for me? Thank you for coming for me. Thank you for being that specific, that individual, so caring. You found me. You came to me. Why did you come for me? And a thousand times I thanked him that he came for me and saved me and clothed me and that I can sit at the feet of Jesus and receive his word and be in his presence and have everlasting life. Bible says, Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me and the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how personal it is. The Apostle Paul brought it right down to his own conversion, his own life. He said, the Son of God loved me and gave himself for me. The wonder, the marvel, the mystery of it all. God so loves the world, but he's not dealing with the world when it comes to the specifics. He's dealing with you and I in our heart before God, in our situation. The Apostle Paul, a perse persecutor of the church, he said, I am the chief of sinners. I persecuted the church of God. I put men and women to death because they believed in the gospel. He said, I, I marvel that the Son of God came for me. He loved me and gave himself for me. That's how wonderful the Lord is, how individual he is. They have no wine. Jesus concerned about a father and a mother at a wedding. Jesus concerned about their reputation in town, what people would say, the talk of the night. You say, well, Jesus has never turned water into wine for me. Are you sure? Stop for a moment and think about it. How many times has Jesus bailed you out of a circumstance, bailed you out of a situation, something that could embarrass your life, something that could hurt you, something that could damage your reputation and your future. How many times has, you, has he helped you out of difficulty? He's turned water into wine for every one of us. Say, Pastor, has Jesus ever bailed you out? Oh, yes, he has. A few memorable times when I was young and foolish. And he came. And he intervened. And I knew it was him. And some memorable times as I've been older and not as wise as I should have been. Maybe not enough foresight. Maybe not enough discernment. 
when he came. It was him. It was so clearly him. I'm so thankful for the times God has cared for me when he could have said, what does your concern have to do with me? He could have pushed me aside. Times when he said, there's no miracle that I want to do right now. No miracle, but his kindness stepped in and provided a miracle, even when he wasn't prepared to do one. That's the love of our God. That's the kindness of our Lord. I don't know about you, but when I think of the goodness of the Lord, when I think of his care, when I think of his kindness, it makes me want to love him more and more. Steps in to our need. He steps in where there's a mother's prayers. He steps in where there are some godly people praying prayers. They have no wine. Lord, they have no wine. We don't even know what to pray. We don't know the need. We don't know the situation a lot of times or how the Lord's going to move in that circumstance. All we have to do, Jesus, they have no wine. We know his character. We know his love. We know his compassion. We know his kindness. That's the love of our God. And we've all been partakers of it. Live under his power and under his grace. Let's have the worship team come. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? The greatest bailout of all, the forgiveness of our sins. The forgiveness of our sins. The greatest help God could ever give any one of us and set us on the path to eternal life. The Bible says in Psalm 103, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us, requited us according to our iniquities. He sees our need. He's a God of love. He's a God of provision. He's a God who will turn water into wine at a wedding. He says, if God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things that pertain to life and godliness? He'll take care of us. If he saved us, he'll take care of us. Wine at a wedding. Help at a meal. Strength in a circumstance. Finances in a moment of crisis. The Lord cares for us. His eyes are upon us. I'd like to read Joel chapter 2, verses 21 to 27. Fear not, O land. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done marvelous things. Do not be afraid, you beasts of the field. For the open pastures are springing up, and the tree bears its fruit. The fig tree and the vine yield their strength. Be glad then, you children of Zion, and rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given you the former rain faithfully, and he will cause the rain to come down for you, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. The threshing floors shall be full of wheat, and the vats shall overflow with new wine and oil. So I will restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten. 
I'll restore the lost years, says the Lord. I'll restore to you the years that the swarming locust has eaten, the crawling locust, the consuming locust, and the chewing locust, my great army which I sent among you, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God, who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never be put to shame. My people shall never be put to shame. That's what the Lord says. A father and mother about to be embarrassed at a wedding feast. Jesus said, I'm going to deal with that. So there's no ridicule. There's no talk. I'm going to minister into this family so they can hold their head high and rejoice. I'll manifest my glory. My people shall never be put to shame. Then you shall know that I am in the midst of Israel. I am the Lord your God, and there is no other. My people shall never be put to shame. Zephaniah 3.17 The Lord your God in your midst, the Mighty One, will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with His love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Anyone need comfort this morning? Need some quieting? He will quiet you in his love. Receive his blessing today. Receive his care. Receive his kindness. His eye is on the sparrow. And he watches over me. He watches over you. Let's open our hearts to the Lord right now. We'll let the Lord heal you. I hear the Lord saying, I'm healing my people. Healing my people in this house. I'm healing their wounds and their heartache. Healing their brokenness. I'm hurting the he I'm healing the hurt. The daughter of my people. Water into wine water into wine first miracle of our Lord when you think about it could there have been any other miracle more precious than to walk into a situation like that nothing so supernatural nothing so spectacular in a spiritual sense Jesus saying his first miracle that he performed as the Son of God, I'm concerned about wine at a wedding. I'm concerned about your table. I'm concerned about your eating and drinking. And if I'm concerned about this, you know I'm going to take care of your life. I'll cover you. I'll walk with you. I'll minister to you. You can rest in my love, my kindness, and my provision.